Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we find ourselves once again back in the world of Elon Musk and Twitter and acquisitions. Getting a little bit hard to say. If you haven't been following the story of Elon Musk's pending question mark acquisition of Twitter, please do check out our playlist, Elon Musk and the buyout of Twitter, which may be getting a title change pretty quickly. But we have covered it for now about a dozen videos, including one of our most recent of which was called On Hold, Is Elon Musk Just Messing Around? And the premise of that video was ostensibly that this tweet from Elon Musk in the middle of May went out there and called into question, at least in my eyes, whether Elon Musk, tech titan, was actually serious about purchasing Twitter or not. And the tweet said, Twitter deal temporarily on hold, pending details supporting calculation that spam slash fake accounts do indeed represent less than 5% of users. And I flagged in that video that that was an unusual thing to put the deal on hold regarding because Twitter had talked about its spam percentages in a number of financial statements and really hadn't changed its tune there. Now, as it turns out, what Elon Musk appeared to be focused on was the notion that Twitter wasn't necessarily being honest in his eyes with respect to what the percentage of spam slash fake accounts actually was on the service. Now, when I talked about this before, I pointed out that this was a method through which Elon Musk could potentially get out of the deal entirely. And if you remember talking about the overall merger agreement in this playlist, you know that Elon Musk is personally responsible for a billion dollar guarantee that if he just walked away from the deal for effectively no reason, Twitter could go and extract that billion dollars from him. So if you're Elon Musk and you want to walk away from a deal of this type, frankly, you look for ways that Twitter might otherwise be liable or presenting problems that you could say, yep, that's the problem. They're in breach of contract. And now I want to walk away. In that earlier video, I pointed out a couple of places where that could be what is happening here. Section 4.6, which is in the representations and warranty section of the merger agreement, which is what Twitter promises about itself, does, among other things, have the company Twitter promise that none of the company's SEC documents at the time they were filed or if amended or supplemented as of the date of the last amendment or supplement contained any untrue statement of a material fact or omitted to state any material fact required to be stated therein or necessary to make the statements therein in light of the circumstances under which they were made or are to be made not misleading lawyers. But effectively, you didn't lie in those statements and you didn't forget to say something that makes the other things contextually appear as lies. And if... Elon Musk were proven to be right that what Twitter had said in their financial statements about the percentage of fake slash spam bots was woefully undercounting the issue, then he would have a breach claim under section 4.6 or even potentially section 4.7 about information that would be supplied to shareholders if that 5% number is wrong. So when this tweet goes out that we discussed, one of the things that's happening behind the scenes is that Elon Musk is asking for more information on the topic. Right, Because as we talked about, one of the ways that you can get out of this deal, if you are Elon Musk and his parent or acquisition sub, those are the defined terms that relate to Elon Musk's entities that would otherwise be purchasing Twitter, you can terminate the agreement if it's found that the company, that's Twitter, didn't comply with its obligations under the agreement or that one of those reps or warranties is otherwise false. If you do that, then you can find yourself in a completely different section that says, if you have failed to breach, we can terminate the agreement. 
If you don't cure that breach, we can move on from you. And most importantly to Elon Musk, he doesn't find himself in this section here, which says if he doesn't do what he's supposed to do, then he owes $1 billion to Twitter. And I know there's a lot of cross-references here. I'm just trying to skip most of those. If you are interested in the details of that, please do check earlier in the playlist. We go over the merger agreement point by point. And I even go over this agreement in that earlier video I mentioned point by point. But the point is here that Elon Musk puts out those tweets, puts out those communications in the middle of May and says, hey, maybe this is all false and I'm not so terribly interested in purchasing the company. Which brings us from this tweet to today. And the Associated Press breaking Elon Musk is threatening to end his $44 billion agreement to buy Twitter, accusing the company of refusing to give him information about spam bot accounts. And this has been pushed all over the internet in the last hour or so. AP, Musk threatens to walk away from Twitter deal. And again, Twitter thinks that they have at least some protection from this with a guarantee of a billion dollars that Elon Musk isn't otherwise playing around with them. But are they protected? Well, we're going to look at the Twitter SEC filings on this particular topic and the letter that Elon Musk, through his counsel, sent to the company to discuss a little bit more. So this is the document. You can see I've already highlighted a lot by the time we get to the letter, but... This is actually just a, a beneficial ownership document that anyone would file with the SEC when there's something changing about their ownership of a company in question. These things look boring. You've probably seen a thousand of them, maybe even here in virtual legality. But all it really says is we're amending what we've said about our ownership of Twitter. This is Elon Musk filing this document. This Schedule 13D amends the prior 13D initially filed by Elon Musk. I think this is something like the fourth or fifth amendment. Certainly there've been a lot of amendments to this document as it changed from an investment to a board seat, to a purchase proposal, to an accepted merger agreement, and now to a threatening of that merger agreement. And all this actually says is we are incorporating the letter that you already saw highlighted by reference into this document. As summarized, it says on June 6, 2022, that's today, the reporting person, that's Elon Musk, delivered a letter to the issuer, that's Twitter, reiterating his request for certain data and information necessary to facilitate his evaluation of spam and fake accounts on the issuer's platform and reserving his rights resulting from the issuer's refusal to provide such data and information in material breach, it's your big watchword, of the issuer's obligations under its merger agreement with the reporting person. The foregoing description of the reporting person's letter is qualified in its entirety by reference to the full text of the letter, a copy of which is attached hereto as Exhibit O. Lots of legalese, lots of lawyer speak, but basically Elon Musk is saying he requested information from Twitter on this very same topic. We were talking about fake and spam accounts. The company has refused, at least to his satisfaction, and so he now finds them to be in material breach of the merger agreement and two specific sections that we'll be looking at as part of this video as we analyze this letter. But also the rest of this particular language in this paragraph is this summary doesn't count to actually say what the letter is. It will always be qualified in its entirety by the letter itself. So here we have the letter itself. From Skadden Arps, major, major, major corporate law firm, very, very expensive, has cots and showers in its office. I can personally attest to this. And they say, Dear Ms. Gaddy, we are in receipt of correspondence sent on Twitter's behalf dated June 1st, 2022, responding to Mr. Musk's request for the data and information described in my letters dated May 25th, 2022 and May 31st, 2022. 
Now, if you're keeping track at home of the dates here, there's some interesting stuff. First of all, we don't have copies of all of these letters. This is the first real copy of this particular interaction that we have. But that tweet that talked about fake slash spam accounts that said that they were putting the deal on hold, which isn't actually a thing once you've signed a merger agreement, you're in a diligence period, you don't have to announce it to the world. Elon Musk does all sorts of oddball things here in order to condition the market, manipulate the market, really depends on what perspective you have on this individual. But he says this on May 13th, 2022. And then by the time we're looking at letters here, Skadden Arps counsel to Elon Musk says they only start making requests for the data on May 25th and May 31st. So he puts out that tweet and then there's another couple of weeks before they decide that they have to formalize the inquiry for the information. And that could mean that Elon Musk and his team were doing things verbally, trying to do things uh, a little bit informally in order to get the information that they requested. And in fact, you can see him uh, and uh, the CEO of Twitter fighting on the platform actually about whether the information provided is accurate, whether there's issues with spam and fake bots. It's a very weird transaction, folks. But by the time May 25th rolls around, at least as presented by Skadden Arps here, he is making a formal request for more information and he re-ups that request a week later and then Twitter responds a day or so later on June 1st and Skadden Arps and Elon Musk find that response wanting. So if we're just reading between the lines here, he says, hey, I need the raw data in order to evaluate this stuff myself. Twitter says, no, you don't need that. We've already told you how we test this stuff. It's 5%. And you could see that fight actually writ large in some of the social media posts between them. Now, the lawyers get involved. Mr. Musk does not agree with the characterizations in Twitter's June 1st letter. Twitter has, in fact, refused to provide the information that Mr. Musk has repeatedly requested since May 9th, 2022, to facilitate his evaluation of spam and fake accounts on the company's platform. Twitter's latest offer to simply provide additional details regarding the company's own testing methodologies, whether through written materials or verbal explanations, is tantamount to refusing Mr. Musk's data requests. You gotta love lawyer letters, right? So they're saying Twitter wants to give you more details on how they internally test their stuff, but doesn't want to give you the raw data. And this lawyer is saying that is tantamount to refusing our requests. And if it is as described herein, and this is, of course, Elon Musk's counsel, so we have to take that with a grain of salt. This is about as biased as you can get in favor of one person zealously advocating for their client. We would say that Twitter does appear to be denying a legitimate request. Twitter's effort to characterize it otherwise is merely an attempt to obfuscate and confuse the issue. Mr. Musk has made it clear that he does not believe the company's lax testing methodologies are adequate, so he must conduct his own analysis. The data he has requested is necessary to do so. So they've signed up to a merger agreement. They are bound by the terms of that merger agreement, including the promises they made to one another. Those promises we call in legal parlance, legal ease, covenants. And that's what you're going to see described in this next paragraph. As noted under various terms of the merger agreement, Twitter is required to provide data and information that Mr. Musk requests in connection with the consummation of the transaction. Twitter's obligations to provide Mr. Musk with information is not, as the company's June 1st letter suggests, limited to a very specific purpose, facilitating the closing of the transaction. To the contrary, Mr. Musk is entitled to seek and Twitter is obligated to provide information and data for inter alia, any reasonable business purpose related to the consummation of the transaction, section 6.4. So let's unpack this a little bit. We're going to look at section 6.4 because this is interesting. This is a covenant that Twitter has made, a promise 
to benefit Elon Musk and his parent and acquisition sub entities in order to get the deal done. We're going to read through the wording here, but the fight as described in the letter is the scope of what this promise is. Elon Musk says, give me the raw data so I can test spam and fake bots presence on your platform myself. And Twitter is effectively saying, if Skadden Arps' description of these events is accurate, no, no, we can tell you what our methodologies are. You can evaluate those on that basis because anything else is going too far and wouldn't be just about closing the deal. It would be about something more. Now let's look at the language in the agreement. Upon reasonable notice, the company shall and shall cause each of its subsidiaries to afford to the representatives, officers, directors, employees, agents, attorneys, accountants, and financial advisors of parent reasonable access at parent's sole cost and expense in a manner not disruptive in any material respect to the operations of the business of the company and its subsidiaries during normal business hours and upon reasonable written notice throughout the period commencing on the date of this agreement until the earlier the effective time and the termination of this agreement pursuant to Article 8 to the properties, books, and records of the company and its subsidiaries and during such period shall and shall cause each of its subsidiaries to furnish promptly to such representatives all information concerning the business properties and personnel of the company and its subsidiaries as may be reasonably requested in writing in each case for any reasonable business purpose related to the consummation of the transactions contemplated by this agreement provided however and that's going to limit the scope further now that was a bunch of legalese but i've tried to highlight what the operative portion of this actual provision is so upon reasonable notice elon musk and his team send in a letter and say we'd like to look at these things the company shall afford to parent reasonable access at parent's sole cost and expense. So we get a letter from Elon Musk. Twitter will allow reasonable access to Elon Musk of what? The properties, books, and records of the company and its subsidiaries, anything related to the kind of Twitter family of entities. Uh, so if you send us a letter, we will give you access to the information we have because you're buying us and you need to be able to kick the tires and check the engine and look at, make sure all the blinkers work and that kind of thing. So this is normal, but there are a lot of kind of caveats and provisos that are associated with this. And we shall furnish promptly to such representatives, the people that are on Elon Musk's team, all information concerning the business properties and personnel of the company as may be reasonably requested in writing. In each case, for any reasonable business purpose related to the consummation of the transaction. So that part that I highlighted in red is a limiting principle, right? You go, you ask us for information, we'll give you access, we will furnish it to you upon written request, but only in respect of a reasonable business purpose related to the consummation of the transaction. Uh, and that's really what the fight is about. So Twitter goes and says, hey, look, that scope proviso is limiting what you can request. The lawyers say, no, no, it's any reasonable business purpose related to our buying of your company. Yes, it's a limit in scope. We can't just ask you for your reviews of Morbius, but we can go in and ask you for things that are related to the value ascribed to your company, what we're buying, how we're buying it, etc. That's the main fight. Now, there is another proviso here, which I don't actually think gets mentioned in the letter very much, where Twitter also tries to lower the scope of this potential covenant. Provided, however, that nothing herein shall require the company, that's Twitter, and I'm going to skip the legalese here and just read the operative parts, to disclose any information to parent if such disclosure would cause significant competitive harm to the company or its subsidiaries if the transactions contemplated by this agreement are not consummated, or a number of other reasons, including violation of law or jeopardizing of attorney-client privilege. But the big one here, which I would expect Twitter to respond with, 
is yes, that's fine. It's a reasonable business purpose associated with the transaction, but we don't have to give you anything if we think it could hurt us if this deal falls through. And now that you're signaling to the entire world that this deal may fall through, we can take an even more sensitive approach to giving you this information that you've requested because that's a carve out as well as the carve out that it has to relate to the transaction itself, which we're not sure that it does. Now, the lawyer for Elon Musk gets in front of this argument a little bit. He, he additionally says Twitter must also provide reasonable cooperation in connection with Mr. Musk's efforts to secure the debt financing necessary to consummate the transaction, including by providing information reasonably requested by Mr. Musk. And Mr. Musk's requests for user data not only satisfies both criteria, but also meets even Twitter's narrowed interpretation of the merger agreement as this information is necessary to facilitate the closing of the transaction, right? And he doesn't expound upon that, but you can say Elon Musk needs to evaluate what it is that he's purchasing. And more importantly, the better argument in my eyes is this notion of you've agreed in 611 to deliver information that is necessary for the banks or whomever else is financing Elon Musk's acquisition to determine for themselves whether the value of their collateral is significant enough for them to actually finance this thing. So the company shall use its commercially reasonable best efforts to provide any reasonable cooperation reasonably requested by parent in writing in connection with the arrangement of the bank debt financing. And there's a whole bunch of carve outs here, including that cooperation isn't necessary uh, for the company to provide information, the disclosure of which is prohibited under applicable law or that would be reasonably expected to conflict with its organizational documents or cause a rep to be breached or require the company to disclose material non-public information to other than to recipients that haven't signed NDAs. And so when we look at all of this, you can see that there's a lot of things to consider, but that the overall umbrella promise that Twitter has made is we'll help you get your bank financing. We will deliver the information necessary to make that happen. And to you specifically, we'll deliver any information that you request that has the tendency to help close this deal. So in my eye, looking at the merger agreement, at least as described by Skadden Arps, Elon Musk's counsel, Elon Musk would seem to have the better part of it, even if I don't necessarily believe fully in the sincerity of the request. By the time May 13th rolls around, I'm making a video that says, is Elon Musk playing around? It starts to sound like Elon Musk just wants to get out of this deal. And this, of course, doesn't change that narrative at all. The next paragraph of this letter as Twitter's prospective owner, Mr. Musk is clearly entitled to the requested data to enable him to prepare for transitioning Twitter's business to his ownership and to facilitate his transaction financing. To do both, he must have a complete and accurate understanding of the very core of Twitter's business model, its active user base. In any event, Mr. Musk is not required to explain his rationale for requesting the data, nor submit to the new conditions the company has intended to impose on his contractual right to the requested data. At this point, Mr. Musk believes Twitter is transparently refusing to comply with its obligations under the merger agreement, which is causing further speculation that the company is withholding the requested data due to concern for what Mr. Musk's own analysis of that data will uncover. Now, this is a hell of a paragraph because you're ostensibly engaged in a business transaction with this company. And it's a business transaction which we remember was not one that the Twitter board seemed so keen on having. They threw up a defensive protective wall, a poison pill, immediately as soon as Elon Musk seemed like he might be a threat 
to purchase the company. And it was only after substantial pressure was put upon that board in respect of their fiduciary duties that they appeared to accept Mr. Musk's offer as one that they had to at least propose to the shareholders. Now, this paragraph comes along and says, we think you're deliberately withholding data from us because you're worried what our actual analysis will show, even though as we just looked at in the merger agreement itself, we'd have to keep that stuff confidential. You don't trust Elon Musk, even though you entered in to a multi-billion dollar agreement with him. And now you, Twitter, are trying to scuttle the deal in a way that doesn't make sense. Now, it's worth noting that the merger agreement doesn't allow Elon Musk to go get that billion dollars from Twitter unless they act really, really poorly or otherwise accept a competing offer for the transaction. Instead, what Elon Musk appears to be doing here is just trying to get out of the billion dollars he would owe to them if he simply walked away without reason. But this paragraph is basically designed for me to read it and the Associated Press to read it and the other journalistic outlets to read it. That last sentence in particular, Mr. Musk believes Twitter is refusing to comply because they're worried about what we'll find out. This is not the language of an individual or his counsel that seems overly likely to actually purchase this company because this is doing pretty negative damage to the goodwill of Twitter as this kind of information goes out, an asset that ostensibly Mr. Musk would own after this deal was consummated. Doesn't mean it won't still be consummated. Again, Elon Musk is somebody that absolutely defies kind of rational projection of what he might do tomorrow based on what he has done today. So he still could buy Twitter. He could buy it for more money than he originally offered. I have no idea on this, but this is certainly language that is suggestive of someone that doesn't necessarily consider themselves to be a recent newly owned uh, person in control of this company. If Twitter is confident in its publicized spam estimates, Mr. Musk does not understand the company's reluctance to allow Mr. Musk to independently evaluate those estimates. If you're innocent, what could go wrong? As noted in our previous correspondence, Mr. Musk will, of course, comply with the restrictions provided under Section 6.4, including by ensuring that anyone reviewing the data is bound by a non-disclosure agreement. And Mr. Musk will not retain or otherwise use any competitively sensitive information if the transaction is not consummated. So that part in the proviso that I just read that says, hey, if you're going to be competitively harmed, you don't have to share it. We've already agreed to keep it under an NDA and to not use it for any other reason other than to evaluate the transaction. You can't be competitively harmed by this, at least unless you're planning on saying we're going to breach every agreement we've ever made to you. Based on Twitter's behavior to date and the company's latest correspondence in particular, Mr. Musk believes the company is actively resisting and thwarting his information rights and the company's corresponding obligations under the merger agreement. This is a clear, material breach of Twitter's obligations under the merger agreement, and Mr. Musk reserves all rights resulting therefrom, including his right not to consummate the transaction and his right to terminate the merger agreement, right? Material breach. If you, Twitter, are in material breach of this agreement under those sections 7.2a and 7.2b that we just talked about, and you don't cure it, then we can terminate the agreement and we can simply walk away. This is the highest level of escalation that we have yet seen from Elon Musk and his team. And Twitter, I have to be honest, is going to be disinclined to provide this information as they were disinclined to consummate this deal in the first place. Now, Elon Musk is currently getting sued for manipulation of the stock price with respect to Twitter. One does wonder if the board refuses to provide this data and this letter is out there in the public and this deal goes under, 
whether or not the Twitter board itself will wind up getting sued by even more shareholders for scuttling a deal that could have made them a lot of money. Do you believe Elon Musk? Do you believe the Twitter board? Leave your comments below. It's open to interpretation, but I think both sides are playing around with each other to the harm of those folks that otherwise actually own Twitter. This has been Virtually Galley for today. If you enjoyed this content, the discussion of business and law in pop culture, technology, video games, and more, please consider supporting the channel at Utreon, Patreon, or newly, we have a YouTube membership that you can use, especially for our live streams with little icons, and we'll get emojis in there pretty shortly. Otherwise, if none of those appeal to you, just subscribing, telling your friends, sharing that we're having these conversations, upvotes, downvotes, all those fun engagement items on YouTube. Every little bit helps, and it has helped quite a lot in the recent past. We're now over 106,000 subscribers. I couldn't be more thankful to everyone that watches this, everyone that otherwise listens to it. If you did catch this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.